Jesus said to the disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man? Two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Be prepared and sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So, too, you also must be prepared for an hour that you do not expect. The Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the things that I am very grateful for uh, from being a teacher is I get to open, open eyes, right? I get to help young men and women, and sometimes old men and women, uh, see the world a little bit more clearly, get to help them see truths. Uh, but I'm occasionally reminded that whatever experience I have of helping somebody to see more of the world, that all of my work pales in comparison to just a, one parent teaching one child, because for a few years, you were like the mystical gatekeeper of all the knowledge in the world, right? So uh, I love teaching things to people. Uh, I recently had an opportunity to give a huge revelation. So I was at dinner last night, and a little boy, I don't remember what prompted this. Maybe nothing prompted it. You don't know what's going on inside the kids' heads. Uh, he says, I hope I never die. And being the, you know, the, the gentle, wise priest that I am, I said, well, I've got news for you, kid. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think maybe I was the first person to tell him, you know, like, we are all going to die. And then his response was, I don't want to die. And I really appreciated that moment because I thought, well, you know, there, like this kid has no guile in him, right? There, he hasn't had a chance uh, to start to deceive himself about reality, and there it is. So he doesn't, he wants to live forever, he doesn't want to die, right? Um, and we are entering into Advent, and all of the readings are basically telling us to prepare for our death. Now, it doesn't necessarily say the words prepare for our death, but it's talking about preparing for the, the coming of the judge. And somebody is going to be alive on the earth when Jesus does, in fact, come again. But 
for 2,000 years anyway, people have been dying, and that's they're going to meet the judgment. So when we, uh, we, we, are in a, we are truly looking forward to the coming of Jesus as judge and time becoming its fullness, but we're also aware that for each of us, uh, that fullness of time is going to come, right? Our number is going to get punched. And what Jesus is telling us is, you know not the hour, so be prepared. Stay awake. Now, I feel like I say something very similar every first Sunday of Advent. Um, so if you've heard me preach on the first Sunday of Advent, you know, I apologize. It's not because I don't have any ideas, it's because I find as I go into this season every year, I need to remind myself of the same things. In a sense, I need to do the same spiritual exercises. Right? Uh, the church speaks about Advent in a couple of ways. Right? So if we look at just the liturgy today, um, we say to, we said in the opening prayer, Lord, grant us the grace to run forth to meet your Christ. Run forth to meet your Christ. Now, this is where I go back to this, uh, this young child that I was talking about. It wasn't a completely random story. Um, you know, well, the things that we pray in the liturgy, they are not, we're not doing make-believe. We are so we're supposed to be striving to enter into the liturgical realities and, in a sense, appropriate those into our lives and conform our lives to the liturgical realities. So when the church prays, grant us the grace to run forth to meet your life, the church wants this grace to be enacted in our lives. They want us to run forth to meet your Christ. And uh, the, I always begin Advent by asking myself, who of us really is that eager for the end? Who of us is really that eager for the Lord's coming so we can say, the church says that Advent is a season of joyful anticipation. Who of us can say that we are joyfully anticipating Jesus is coming again? We pray every day, hopefully every day. I pray every day. I don't know about you, but uh, we pray the Our Father, right? It's the prayer that the Lord taught us. And at the heart of that prayer is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Thy kingdom come. But I wonder how many of us really, and I'm including myself in this, I, how, much, how many of us really are eager for his kingdom to come? Rather, how many of us are afraid of that day and say, I don't want it to ever come? There's a beautiful uh, prayer. So there, there's, there's a, bu a bunch of prayers that priests can choose from as preparation for Mass that we say in the sacristy. Uh, one that I like was written by St. Ambrose of Milan. And in that prayer, it, uh, you know, the priest is essentially confessing all of his brokenness, all the ways that he needs healing and deliverance. And then he's asking the Lord to come and to heal those things. And there's a line in it, I think is, it's maybe my line for Advent this year, because it's been rattling around my head for the last week. The line is, I do not look forward to having you as judge, but I long to have you as savior. I thought that's very interesting. I do not look forward to having you as judge, but I long to have you as savior. And as I enter into this Advent, something I'm, th I'm wondering is maybe the shift in my disposition needs to be, uh, you know, I fear him as judge a bit much, how do I long for him as Savior? And I think, brothers and sisters, that the key to longing for a Savior rather than fearing a judge is repentance. And I know that Advent is not a penitential season in the same way that Lent is. 
but it is a season for repentance. It's a season for conversion. It's a season for preparation, for turning. So here's the thing that I end up saying every year. Uh, I think it's really important during Advent that we intentionally create silence in our lives. And this is hard to do because December, for most of us, is one of the busiest, noisiest times of the year. Right? There's so much going on in December. And I think what the liturgical season calls upon us to do is to try intentionally to create spaces of silence in our lives. And here's why. If Advent is a season of joyful anticipation, and if you're anything like me, and you maybe are missing a little bit of the joyful in your anticipation, then this is a season for us to whet our appetites for the coming of the Lord. I mean in the literal sense, to sharpen our desires for the coming of the Lord. And I think the way we do that in reality and not just say it in the prayers is we have to, end, we have to, we have to have space for introspection. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to look at ourselves honestly and kind of enter into our brokenness. Now, we live in a very, very noisy world. And I think sometimes the noise and the distraction of our lives, it acts a little bit like a drug. And what I mean by that is somebody that has a drug problem, very often they're using drugs to try to dole things away, right? to, try to try to kind of numb away pain, uh, try to maybe silence thoughts that they don't want to think about. And when we surround ourselves with constant noise and distraction, when we can go, as many of us do, from the, the moment we get up in the morning to the moment we go to bed, and there never stops being noise. There never stops being something to tell us what to think about. This can, whether we mean it to or not, it can act like a drug because it doesn't ever give us even a few minutes of silence where we have to sit with ourselves and start to become aware of ourselves and start to become aware of what in us really hurts and start to become aware of the ways that we're really disappointed with ourselves. And I think we need that silence. We need to kind of wean ourselves off of that drug in a sense so that we can enter into that pain. So that we can go in and actually feel deeply the things that are wrong in our lives. So we can enter into the ways that our hearts are broken, enter into the ways that our lives are not perfect, and maybe even more importantly, enter into the ways that we are sinful. I, I preached recently about you know, the, when our conscience is afflicted, the two different ways we can react. We either silence the thing that's afflicting our conscience or we convert, right? I think that repentance, which starts with naming our sinfulness, I think repentance is the key between whether, it's the key difference whether we, we fear Jesus as judge or long for him as savior, right? Because if we don't want to change, if we don't want to let go of our sins, if we don't want to heal, and brothers and sisters, some of us don't want to heal, right? If we have wounds that we don't want to let go of, and some of us have wounds that we don't want to let go of, then we can only fear Jesus. If we don't want to convert, if we don't want to become better, then we can only fear the Lord and know that he's coming as judge. But if we can enter into our brokenness, and hear me, hear me very well, I'm not saying that the way to prepare for Jesus is we have to be perfect. What I'm saying is let's stop, you know, let's in this time especially 
not make excuses for ourselves, right? Not try to silence our guilt, not try to explain away our brokenness and sinfulness. Let's actually enter into that, but enter into it with the spirit of repentance, with a desire to turn from our sinfulness. Because when we are really trying, when we're really striving for holiness, guess what we find out? We find out how weak and impoverished we actually are. It's when we want something better for ourselves, that's where we really come up against how poor our resources are. The person who understands temptation is not the person who gives into it, it's the person who fights it. I think if we can enter more deeply into our brokenness, if we can enter more deeply into a spirit of repentance, if we can actually get more in touch with how incapable we are of becoming saints on our own, this will give, I think, naturally give rise to a crying out for Jesus as Savior. Right? If I don't numb away all the things that make me feel bad about my life or about myself, but actually enter into them a little bit, but with, with hope and trust, then I think we will begin to actually say, you know what, I need a Savior, and I long for a Savior. Lord, when are you going to come and save me? Not just save me from the evils of the world that I'm living in. When are you going to come and save me from myself? And if we have that spirit of conversion, if we have that desire to be honest with ourselves, but also the desire to change, then I think the Lord will give us the grace to run forward to meet our Savior when he comes.